Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Umarpreneur Live podcast, where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs to bring you a little bit of knowledge and expertise on various business industries. And today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Sister Estela Rodriguez Jabril. Sister Estela, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to have you here. And I'm the one who's honored, to be honest. And just to kind of share with our guests, a little bit of background on who you are so they can get to know you a little bit. So Sister Estella started her company, Spiral Up Connections, in 2016. And since then, she's helped over 200 women and men embark on their self-improvement journey. She offers live and online courses, retreats, global summits, and one-on-one -on -one and group coaching services. And as well, Estella even uses her background as a sex coach, a licensed therapist, and trauma specialist to understand her clients' psychological challenges and employ cognitive techniques such as motivational interviewing and neuro-linguistic programming to help them achieve self-actualization. Now, we're going to talk about lots of different topics here because I have with me someone, mashallah, who is really uh, an expert and has knowledge in many different fields. So we'll try to touch on as many points as possible. And I definitely encourage you to tune in for the whole episode and listen attentively because there will be lots to learn today, inshallah. Um, and the best place that i like to start is... If you can share with us, Estella, just a little bit more about what inspired you to become an entrepreneur and start a business. <laughs> Honestly, it, it is a bit of the same story that you hear around. Um, I had been working as a therapist at state agencies for a lot of years, a lot of years. And it's really demanding. And mm -hmm. I was starting to hit that burnout point. And I was thinking of going into private practice, which can also be really exhausting because you have to deal with insurance companies. Um, so I had actually never heard of coaching. I heard of coaching in 2014. All of a sudden, you know, there was a seminar going on uh, in San Diego where I was living at the time and it was free, you know, so I went and I showed up. It was a three day event and I was just blown away. I was just blown away. And I didn't realize what you could do, you know, with your expertise, you know, mm -hmm. how you could support people. And the whole um, experience of coaching was, you know, th the idea of coaching was just so new to me and so exciting. And I just went into it. Um, I mean, I was one of those people uh, that you see that was just so green and so ready. So I was pulled into a program and, just started learning by um, uh, figuring out how to like create community, how to create mm -hmm. trust online, how to mm -hmm. learn all the back end stuff, which was really, really scary for me because I'm not a tech person. Um, and it was really interesting because it was something brand new. And that's when I realized that I still had so much growth, you know, ahead of me um, and, and so many um, challenges to work through that have really helped me support women so much more um, as I ventured into this coaching world that is just phenomenal. Amazing, Michelle. So it sounds like you, the first uh, experience you had was actually learning, as you mentioned, how to build an audience, right? How to build community, how to build trust online. And, and that's really interesting because that actually is probably one of the most important skills that you can develop to build an online business in this modern day and age? How do you develop trust? How do you stand out from the crowd? And so you learn those skills, but then what inspired you to actually go and 
you know, start your own business and work on your own versus let's say going and using that skill to, you know, work in a career, work within a job. What is, what is it about entrepreneurship specifically that appealed to you? If you can share that with us. Well, I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to be really relentless. And mm -hmm. I didn't even realize I was an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, but I did know that I was relentless. Um, mm -hmm. If I, you know, was challenged to do something or something appeared challenging, um, I had to just keep, you know, moving forward and, and trying to just up level myself. And what mm -hmm. really like um, fascinated me was just the opportunities, right? The opportunities to connect with people, the opportunities to collaborate. And entrepreneurship showed me that pretty much I could do anything and I could, you know, connect with people. And, and that's so powerful. And it really brought me back to my faith. And I got a clear understanding of how even Islam spread because Islam spread around the world because of entrepreneurship, right? Because of merchants going out and wanting to, you know, have these businesses and, and build businesses. And I really, uh, got this, this, this just like light inside of me that started burning. And, and I realized that it was so connected with my faith and I wanted to be that representative of my faith at the best level that I could be. So entrepreneurship showed me really the path to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. That's really, really beautiful to hear, mashallah, subhanAllah. And, you know, uh, I really love the fact that you're sharing that with us today because, you know, for us, even um, entrepreneur, one thing that we, really like to bring together is entrepreneurship in Islam, entrepreneurship in faith, and how these two areas combine, right? And how they intersect. And it really is, it goes a lot deeper than, than people think on the surface level. And even when you look at, uh, there's this uh, recent Muslim pioneer series that we've been working on on our Instagram. So every week we go and we research like a Muslim that has done something amazing within our history. Um, and you'd have, you know, names that pop up like Fatima Al-Fihri, who started the first university in the world, the oldest university uh, called Al-Qarawiyin in Morocco. Or you have uh, Ibn Khaldun or you have um, Ibn Haytham, right, who discovered how the eye works. And you have all these amazing people. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when you learn their stories, their stories are very closely linked to entrepreneurship and business. Right. And and you really can see that throughout the history of Islam and throughout all these amazing pioneers, all of them had that strand of entrepreneurship where they went and built something. They went and you know decided to create change in the world in their own way. Um, and that is really beautiful. And I wanna ask you um, in the same vein, cause I know you work a lot on self-development with your clients, right? And that's something that you focus on. What is it about self-development and helping others uh, you know, go through their own journey of self-actualization of self-discovery that appealed to you personally? Why is that something that you wanted to focus on and help with? Wow, that's a great question. Um, and there's nothing more fulfilling than watching somebody just bloom mm. and blossom and step into like their, their own potential. I'm a late bloomer. And if it wasn't for other people seeing in me what I didn't see in myself, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm -hmm. um, there's a huge aspect of my growth that came from being encouraged, being coached, you know, 
being um, guided and self-development is not a one-man show. Mm. We're never going to develop ourselves to our highest level. We're never going to evolve to our highest level. And we have to be continuously evolving as human beings, as Muslims, right? As Muslims specifically, because as Muslims, we have, we are the representatives and we're allowing society to just create our own narrative, right? And self-development, it, it, like I said, it's not a one man show. Mm -hmm. And when I experienced that aspect of really helping somebody get to that place where they trust themselves, they believe in them, themselves, they can see that past trauma or that past hurt no longer impact them in the future or in the present moment. So therefore they can see what is possible for them in the future. I mean, that is so powerful. Right. Do you feel like it's it's necessary for someone to have, uh, you know, a mentor or a coach throughout their journey of self-development and self-actualization? Is that a necessary factor or do you feel like someone can do that on their own? It's essential to have, you know, to, it's essential to invest in yourself. Mm. It's essential. And, and what I mean about investment is you have to pay for somebody to coach you. You do. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that is so important is you won't be invested if you don't monetarily, mm -hmm. you know, say, I'm worth it. I'm doing this because I have value mm -hmm. for myself. We can read all the books and yes, learn so many things. We can listen to, you know, all of the lectures and all of the podcasts that are out there and gain so much. But there is always going to be something that a coach or a well, um, a, a professional therapist mm -hmm. that may, you know, there's always this hesitancy of people going to therapy because they, they think, um, you know, because there's all this stigma about it as well, right? But when, when you can allow yourself to be vulnerable and to be guided, um, it's priceless. It really is priceless. That's amazing, Michelle. And I, I completely agree with that, to be honest with you, because even throughout myself and my own journey, I've always had to get help, right? And, and the truth is that, you know, someone saying to themselves, I can do this on my own is someone pretty much saying I have all the knowledge and, and information that I need to get to that goal. I just haven't gone there yet. Well, the truth is, if you did have all the knowledge and you know the motivation and the training necessary to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve uh you would have been there already right um but clearly there's things that you don't know yet and that's why you're still where you are today and i think the same thing is for me i mean every time i look back at a moment throughout my business journey where i've invested in myself i've worked with a certain mentor i've even invested in a course or training i've gotten something out of it i've, I've gone something out of out of that experience that i've been able to use to grow my business or grow myself as an individual um, and every experience has been so beneficial and that's why um you know as well when you even a lot of people think you know coaching or even mentorship or learning from others is limited to uh you know working with a mentor one-on-one -on -one, but as well what do you think about you know reading books reading books from other people who will share their knowledge in that format that could be a firm form of learning as well would you agree Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we should, you know, definitely be avid readers and mm -hmm. continuously learning 
um, you know, from from different, you know, different disciplines, different areas. It's so important. Um, I just recently because, um, you know, I'm busy and I have so many things to do. One of the things that I recently invested in is in this one um, app or this one program uh, called Blink or Blinkist, uh, Blinkist, uh, you get these reviews of books. Yes, it, what, whichever way works for you, you know, you have to be continuously looking into like what is out there for you to gain, you know, knowledge, gain insight, you know, be able to really expand yourself. And reading is the number one way. Why do we have so many books? Because everybody has you know, something to give. And when you take the time to really just dedicate um, a specific time out of the day where this is what you're going to, you know, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have, you know, your library of, you know, what you're going to focus on and just be consistent with it. So many times people don't create that consistency or that structure. And that's what makes you feel like, oh, well, I don't have enough time to sit down and read a book. I'm busy especially for us as women. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm working. There's not enough time, but we all have the same 24 hours, right? Yeah. Everybody has the same 24 hours. Nobody has more, nobody has less. And it's about how you structure your time. Mm. And reading is, is one of the most important things. I'm always referring my clients to books. Mm. That's really, really nice. I, I should, I mean, I'm saying that and I know the importance of it. And I recently set myself a challenge. I'm like, I'm going to read for 10 minutes a day. I'm going to make this happen. I started, uh, I think it was like five or six days ago and I was really great for the first few days, but just yesterday, to be honest, in my defense, I like almost pulled an all nighter. We, um, recently hired a new team member in our company. So I was preparing everything stayed up till midnight. I didn't get a chance to, but I felt frustrated, but I like to set myself these challenges where, you know, I can at least, you know, say, okay, let me challenge myself 10 minutes, 30 days, see how far I can go with this. And I think that's a really great way for people to get started because, Sometimes when they keep, you know, they keep that goal vague in their mind, like, oh, I should just read more. And then it's just like, read more. Well, what does that even mean? How, how are you going to read more? What, how, how long are you going to sit down and do that for? How many days? So I think when you set like clear challenges, clear goals for yourself, like we okay, 10 minutes a day, let me just sit down or maybe five pages. Let me just open the book, you know, go through a few pages and put it down. That's all I need to do for the day. I think that makes it a little bit more achievable uh, and more measurable as well. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, a little more about self-development before we transition into a few other things that you do. What was it for you? What was it like to actually go through a journey and decide that this is something that you could help people with and realize that this was something that you could actually build as a business, right? Because a lot of people sometimes don't realize that, you know what, this is something that I'm really good at or I'm very skilled in and I could potentially build a business out of this. People would want to pay for a service like this and benefit from it. So I wanna know, I know it's a very big question, but for you, what was it that made you in those initial stages believe that this is something that you could build a business with and really go and give that a shot, right? And Michelle, I'll get to where you are today, of course. You can share with us that a little bit. Well, I saw it done, you know, mm -hmm. I, it was clear that it was possible because other people were doing it. Other people were doing it. and. You know, when I started, I didn't see many Muslims out there. So I knew there was a need. I knew there was a need. Um, I was already involved with running a lot of workshops locally at my masjid. Um, I, I was able to create uh, that trust in my community. Uh, so I like I knew that that the possibility was there. You know, the challenge for me 
was, you know, how do I get comfortable doing videos? How do I get comfortable going online? How do I learn the back end? How do I make sure that um, I connect with people and create a team that will support me? Um, so I, the, you know, there are always going to be people that are looking to grow and develop mm. themselves. And when we can create conversations like this, then you realize that, you know, the templates are already out there, the templates, like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I really mm. saw that it was possible because it was already being done. And it was almost also a responsibility because I knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given me, you know, knowledge, this knowledge base, you know, mm -hmm. that I couldn't just keep it to myself. I couldn't just keep it to myself. I had to figure out, you know, how to really create something that would make a difference, you know, and my goal, inshallah, and I'm sure the goal of many of my brothers and sisters out there is to create, you know, a legacy, right? Something that keeps that keeps on going after we're not here. That's what really motivated me and inspired me the mm -hmm. most. I love that, mashallah. And I really like the fact that you shared that because it's really uh, interesting and uncanny that we uh, recently ran a challenge, uh, you know, to help people kind of map out their business plan, do the market research, validate their business idea. And part of the market research lesson was a very simple concept, which was if you find other businesses that are already successful in what you're trying to do, chances are that it works, right? So I really love that you shared that because a lot of people think, oh, if I find other businesses that are doing what I'm trying to do, it means that I shouldn't do it because, you know, there's competition and, you know, I should try to come up with a unique idea. Uh, but it's actually that's actually counterintuitive. Um, and the truth is that, you know, if you do find something that is already working and is in demand, you can create your own unique twist, your own unique service, and, 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 and also, you know, create something special within that market. Um, so I'm going to ask you one more question about business before we dive into a little bit more of um, your expertise and a few things that I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, but for our audience, they're mostly entrepreneurs, they're mostly aspiring business owners, and they're always looking for advice on how to start their business or grow their business. So can you share with us for yourself, what were the steps you took once you did decide to become a coach, you did decide to go into self-development and, and you know help people and help clients? what was it that you did to go and actually get your first few clients and uh, and grow your business what were the first few steps that you put in place to make that happen well what i did it isn't necessarily what i would encourage other people to do because i started okay. investing right away in, in things that i didn't really need you know yes it, it's great to have a website yes it's great to um you know, to, to set that up and invest in it, but to really begin to see that your business is going to grow, you have to start connecting with people. Mm. And right now there is, there are so many platforms, right? Like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, they already exist, right? They already exist. And they, they are continuously changing and evolving to make it easier for us. And to really create a business, you got to get paid, right? You got to start making money. Um, so really getting, understanding what your fears are about, you know, inviting somebody to work with you, yeah. you know, making an offer, you know, you can have everything set up in the back end beautifully, but if you're not able to make an offer, if you're not 
able to have that conversation and and mm. allow somebody to really experience that shift that you're able to create, right? Then yeah. you're not gonna you're not a business until you start making money, right? So you have to be really clear that you know what is your sto- your money story. So many people think that money is evil, money is dirty, money you know creates um, greed, right? Mm. And that is something really, really important to understand about yourself because if you're not making money, you don't have a business. Yeah, correct. Very, very, very well said. Uh, and I love that, mashallah. And it's something that we also talk about, which is, you know, the money mindset. And I think that's also something that in the Muslim community sometimes needs to be shifted because contrary to popular belief, um, there's actually nothing um, within our deen that says that money is inherently evil. Rather, money is a tool. And even the Prophet used to make du'as to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him from poverty. Right? You say, Allah which means, well, I seek your protection from poverty. And Allah and, and the Prophet won't be seeking protection from a good thing, right? So poverty is not a good thing, right? I mean, you're in a, you're in a difficult place. You're you're not able to you know positively impact as much as many as many people or as many things as you want. And you're not able to actually provide more comfortably for your family, your loved ones. So it's really not a good place. And when you have that financial ability, you have that power essentially but financial power specifically to be able to donate to the causes you care about to you know spend on your loved ones the way that you want to to maybe create organizations or movements or businesses that are able to make the change that you want to see in the world uh, which is always so important um, and has been important throughout our history as muslims do you agree absolutely absolutely uh and you know we we have to recognize that mindset, that scarcity and abundance mindset. For us as Muslims, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, if you are grateful, I will give you more. So there's never a lack of anything. It's about the internal work that we have to do on ourselves so that we can achieve and we can gain and we can create those openings, right? For ourselves. Correct, correct, definitely. And in the same vein, all right. Speaking of topics that are, are maybe misconstrued or seen as taboo, I know that you also brand yourself as a sex coach and therapist. And I want to know what that means exactly. And what work do you actually do with your clients? I was very curious when I saw that. And I want to know a little bit more. Well, when I work with women, if mm. they're married, there are always some kind of marital issues that are going on. Okay. When I work with single women, they're usually looking for their man, their partner, their other half. And the same goes for, you know, when I work with, with brothers, when I'm working with brothers that are married and they reach out to me, it, it's something connected with their marriage, their intimacy. And, or if I'm working with a single brother, there, there's something off. Um, unfortunately, this day and age, because of technology, there is so much temptation out there. So there are these struggles that, as human beings, marriage is half of our religion for a reason. As human beings, you know, we are attracted to each other. You know, we have that natural attraction, sexual attraction. We, um, so it, and it also, for me, stems back to my own upbringing and my own issues with sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I, 
realized that there was just a huge, huge need. So I started to really focus and educate myself more um, and talk about it more openly because it is this taboo subject here. Marriage is half of our religion mm-hmm. and we're encouraged to get married and have children, but we don't openly talk about sex and yeah. in society. Yes. There are so many distractions, so many temptations, so many, you know, um, aspects of society that can really pull us in a direction that is unhealthy, that can create this confusion in our mind. And it's absolutely happening within the Muslim community. We have brothers and sisters that are addicted to pornography. We have brothers and sisters that are questioning their own, you know, us. their own sexuality, their own gender, their own gender identity. So these are topics that are so important to talk about. And if we don't talk about them, there will be, you know, problems that arise that could have been prevented simply by being open and talking about this topic. So I support men and women so that they understand, you know, their sensuality, their own sensuality as a man or as a woman, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us as sexual beings. Like we are sexual beings. We are energetic beings. And if we don't understand our own tendencies or our own behaviors, then we will go astray and we will commit sins. And one thing that happens is then we create this level of deep shame that can keep us in this place of just real darkness and blackening of our heart where we lose our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, one thing that, uh, that you mentioned that really struck to me was the fact that there is a lot um you know, there is a lot that isn't talked about in uh, in the Muslim community. One of them, one of these things is uh, mental health, which is now at least being talked about a lot more, uh, in my opinion. I'm starting to see that come up a lot more, which is really nice, alhamdulillah. And one of these other things is intimacy, right? And it's also things like pornography addiction, which is uh, riddled, uh, not only within our community, but I would say with men in general around the world. Um, and it's a, it's a topic that not many people speak about. Uh, and it's actually something that we should be more open and vocal about because the people who do suffer from these issues don't really have a place to go. Um, And the people who might suffer from intimacy issues as a Muslim couple might not really have a place to go either. So I want to know if someone was in that situation, right? What is it specifically that you do? Do you specifically work with the sisters and um, you work with them in that area or what is your kind of like, what does your process look like if someone wanted help with this and they wanted to come and reach out to you? Well, currently, you know, they could definitely reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm one person, so I am so glad that we're talking about this because we need, you know, other experts out mm-hmm. there to really be prepared to help mm-hmm. uh, our brothers and sisters. So reaching out to me privately through Instagram or through Facebook. And then, you know, I would do an assessment, do an assessment to see what the need is and, you know, help them make a decision of, you know, if they're ready to step into get to getting support. One of there are two 
platforms that I'm also on because sometimes, yes, um, the investment is a struggle for people and I don't take insurance, but mm-hmm. I am also on two platforms that have now come, um, you know, into existence because of COVID. COVID has really shown people that we need to use technology um, at every level and at the mental health level, there's uh, better help. There's talk space that I'm uh, currently um, working with uh, clients through using that platform as well. So there are a variety of ways to reach to, to connect with me. There are a variety of ways that uh, brothers and sisters can w- work with me. And what I do initially is an assessment. I have to get a clear assessment of what is what is going on currently. What are some factors in the past that have impacted? the current situation that the brothers and sisters are in. Mm, that's really nice. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And we'll definitely share the links for those in the episode notes, guys. So if you're listening or if you're watching this, uh, stay tuned. We're going to drop them in the comments so you can go and uh, make sure to connect with Estelle after this episode, inshallah. So, you know, I want to ask you as well, what is in your experience, what has been the most common issue? Because you work in a lot of fields, right? We talked about intimacy just now. We talked about self-development, self-actualization. You also are a licensed therapist. So I want to know in your experience, what has been the most common issue your clients are faced with and how do you help them overcome this problem? The most common issue that the clients that I've worked with um, experience is those limiting beliefs within themselves, Mm -hmm. not believing that they have the capacity to step into a dream or a desire or an aspiration or not believing that they have value within themselves to actually, you know, um, take on that endeavor. So limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs. I can't do this. I'm not worth it. You know, I'm not lovable. Um, I can't, you know, do this. Only other people can do this. This is the most common thing for men and women that they don't believe in themselves. And the interesting thing is that confidence is not is something is not something that you just get. You know, it's it's like a muscle. You have to work on it. You can have people that look like. They've got their life together. Everything's perfect. And they have these insecurities. And then these insecurities take them to a place where they just can be exhausted and fall apart because they push themselves too hard or they um, expect too much or they compare themselves to other people and they never feel like they're good enough. So one of the most common thing that both men and women really experience is that self-doubt in themselves. And it is connected to, you know, how we're nurtured Mm. as, as a parent, I've made so many mistakes with my own kids because of the way I was raised, because of the way I was nurtured, I was nurtured in a very um, controlling family. My parents Mm. did the best that they could with what they had access to. And at the same time, caused some damage because they themselves didn't have the skills or didn't have the tools and everything, you know, is learned everything in life that we're stepping into or doing. It's a, we learn it. Yeah. And once we learn it, it really becomes, you know, this, this behavior at the subconscious level where you automatically just step into this. I, 
alhamdulillah, my kids are grown. And in raising them, I made all these mistakes because of the learning that, you know, I experienced in my youth, even though I told myself, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a different parent than I was parented, right? But because I'm a late bloomer, I didn't start my education until I was in my late 20s, my early 30s. I had my kids young, so I made these mistakes. So what that really showed me is that as human beings, we, you know, we are imperfect human beings. But the beautiful thing is if we can step into being courageously vulnerable and seeing that there's nothing shameful about that, you know, then we evolve and we develop. And that's where life gets really powerful. Yeah, I really love that, Michelle. Well, thank you so much for dropping those gems. Um, there's so much to learn uh, from this episode, from everything that you're sharing. If you could give us uh, three three actionable tips that people can take away from this episode that they can implement in their lives to overcome these limiting beliefs, maybe three things that they can do on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, three habits that they can they can take up, what would that be? One of the most important things that everybody needs to step into is really exploring and taking inventory of your physical practice. As human beings, we're given a body to navigate through this life in. Mm -hmm. And many times we take our body for granted. Mm. And if we don't take care of ourselves at the physical level, we're going to suffer and struggle at the emotional level. If we don't take care of ourselves at the physical level, we're going to struggle and suffer and suffer at the spiritual level. Mm. So we have to really take inventory of, of ourselves and how we are taking care of ourselves. That is one of the most important things, whether you want to venture out and create a business for yourself, whether you want to venture out and just focus on your family and really build, you know, a healthy family. If you're not taking care of your body, the nutrients that you're putting into it, you know, how you're exercising, the physical strength that you're maintaining within your body, you know, you're going to let yourself down and you're going to struggle and you're going to suffer. So that is the number one thing mm -hmm. um, that you have to be to willing to really um, take inventory of. The second thing is how are your relationships? How are your connections? You know, if you have strained relationships within your immediate family, chances are that you're going to replicate that outside of your immediate family. So, you know, we are told as Muslims, yes, we don't cut ties with our kinship. And many people have cut ties with their kinship because of trauma. So looking at the role of healing and forgiving and forgiveness is really about healing the heart and creating that empathy within yourself so that you can receive the compassion and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third thing is have fun as Muslims. We don't know how to have fun. Sometimes we're, we're so rigid. I know that I was, you know, as a revert, uh, when I became a Muslim and as I, as I was learning, I thought I had to let go of, of certain things in life because 
somehow they weren't aligned with Islam. So I stopped doing certain things that I really enjoyed that I was, you know, that brought me pleasure because I thought that, you know, somehow I would be a bad Muslim if I danced, if I listened to music. The thing is, everything can be, everything can be experienced with parameters of safety, right? So learning to take care of your body and really creating healthy connections with those people that mean something to you and recognize when the strains are there and healing through them and, and, and having fun, having fun. And, you know, having fun doesn't mean you have to post everything on Facebook, but really having fun for yourself mm-hmm. and having fun and teach and modeling to those people that are really watching you. If you're a parent, your kids are watching you. And if you're not modeling to them, guess what? Other people are modeling to them. Mm-hmm. That's so true, mashallah. I love that. So uh, to recap, number one, the three tips, your physical body, taking care of yourself, your nutrition, your health. Number two, your relationships, right? Forgiving others, healing the heart, um, you know, not holding on to grudges. And then number three, having fun, which I really love. It's my favorite. I'll be honest. The number three is my favorite. I You got to love it. So, um, you know, it's really interesting you say that because, I mean, how do I even go with this? Because I'll, I'll tell you this. Oh, one thing has been that for some reason, this image of the, the really pious individual is sometimes seen as the person that is very serious and brooding and doesn't laugh and, 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 you know, uh, pretty much always serious, always, you know, very care, always, you know, essentially focusing all their time on worship, but not focusing their time pretty much anywhere else. And that would be like the ideal pious person in our minds. But the truth is, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, if we were to just model, you know, our own prophet, he used to go out and people, every time they interacted with him, felt like they were the most important person to him, right? Because of how he smiled at them, because of how he treated them, right? And when he used to, you know, when there was kids around and, you know, even other companions would be strict and they'd be stern and they'd say, okay, get the kids out of here, you know, push them away from the prophet. You know, he's trying to speak to us. He'd be like, no, no, leave them. And they would climb on him and they'd play with him and he would laugh with them. And, you know, he would love to go and laugh with his wife, Aisha, as well. So we have all these stories and all these narrations of the prophet being someone that's actually, you know, always ready to smile and laugh with others and have a great time. And at the same time, he's still, you know, none of us could even get close to the amount of worship, right, that he gave, you know, staying up. At, and there's this uh, this narration um, that, you know, the, the companions of the Prophet, they came to him and, and the prophet used to pray at night for so long up to a point that his feet were swollen and they would they would come and ask him uh, oh messenger of allah uh, messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam why do you spend all night in prayer when all of your sins are forgiven right to a point where your feet are swollen and he says shall i not be a grateful servant right he says shall i not be a grateful servant subhanallah just out of gratitude to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know guess what we aren't cleared of sins yet we don't do this but the truth is what i'm trying to draw as a parallel here is that you know, the most pious person that we know, our prophet, still when with others, took that time to have fun, took that time to relax, took that time to smile at others. And he was not someone that was serious and breading and, you know, always looking down and being stern with children, which is what we might, you know, imagine as that's the pious person that we that we should be, right? And I think that's where, 
you know, well, the modern vision that we have and what actually the reality is are usually two different things. And we need to go back to the essence, right? And learn a bit more about that. Absolutely, absolutely. We know that a smile is charity. And mm. I want to ask all of the listeners to actually, you know, do a little bit of research, walk around and see how often you're smiling at mm. people. Pay attention, a smile is charity and it opens up our heart and we receive so much. We give to others and we give to ourselves. When we're smiling, you know, our oxytocin increases in our brain, that happy hormone. And then you're more likely to see the beauty in life, express more gratitude. And once again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, if you are grateful, I will give you more, mm -hmm. right? So it's so important to really just those simple things that we can shift, you know, it, it's so important to step into them. 100%. Thank you uh, so much for sharing that. And, and for, I'm so happy that the conversation led to this point. And uh, there's a question that I ask every single guest before we dive into some, uh, some audience questions. Uh, I know we got uh, a few comments in and a few people asking some questions already. So before we dive there, I want to ask you if you could meet Estella from a number of years ago where she was just getting started, you know, on this journey of entrepreneurship. She was maybe just thinking she hasn't yet started. She's in those first few steps. And you could tell her one thing that she could hold on, hold on to throughout this journey. She could kind of hold as a mantra. What would that one thing be for you? <laughs> quite a few things, quite a few things. Now you're making me emotional because, mm -hmm. you know, it is one of those journeys and I hope every one of our brothers and sisters that are endeavoring, you know, experience that growth to the place where they really honor where they started. And just, you know, what I would tell myself is don't give up, you know, don't give up, stay the course, stay the course. You know, what you need is going to show up. What you need is going to show up. Mm. And subhanAllah, um, it always does. When the intention is is clear, when the intention is to serve Allah, everything that we need shows up. And yes, I was in those moments where I would get scared. I would get um, freaked out even. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Um but nothing ever shows up, you know, unless we have the capacity to really step into it. And once again, um, to tell, I would tell myself, you're not alone. You know, you're not alone. You're not going to be on this journey alone. And for me, collaboration is the most um, beautiful aspect of the business that I'm in, coaching online. Um, working with other amazing women, working with other amazing brothers like yourself. Mm -hmm. SubhanAllah. Um, that's, that's kind of what I would, yeah, share with myself. <laughs> I love that, Michelle. Well, honestly, thank you so much. I'm, it's, I have to say, this is probably my favorite question to ask every single guest because every single answer has been different. We're up to episode, I'm losing track, guys. I think we're like 52 right now. Um, 153, I think it's 53. So, uh, we, we've been doing this, I um, feel like, for a little bit over a year. And in those 53 episodes, those 53 guests, every single time the, the answer has been different. 
And, and, that, and that's really crazy when you think about it, because you'd think, you know, for a question like this, that you'd have common answers that come up. But every single time, the answer has been unique to that person. And I think that goes to show the uniqueness of every single person's experience and journey throughout business and throughout life, subhanAllah. So I really, I really appreciate you sharing that because to be completely honest, I think that is one of the things that people need to keep in mind and hold on to the most because so many times, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like I think just yesterday, there was a little voice in my head that was like, oh my God, this is getting really tough right now. Maybe I should just close this whole thing down and go and get a job and, you know, get paid a, 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 you know, a menial salary uh, and just live a simple life and, and, and forget this whole thing, forget this entire movement that I'm trying to create in this entire business. And of course I told myself, no, I got to keep going. I wouldn't actually ever do that. But that voice does creep in sometimes. It still does. It still does to this day, you know, five years into this. And why? You, you might ask, oh, why does the why does this voice creep in, Abby? You know, you seem like this, mashallah, very successful person. You have this, you have that. Uh, it's yes, alhamdulillah, these are all things that are working. But it's only when you really are within the trenches that you really experience just how challenging this journey is. Um, and not to deter anyone from doing it. I think it's one of the most rewarding things you could ever do in your life to be an entrepreneur and to try to build something of your own. Uh, but just know that it will challenge you in ways that nothing else will. Um, and, and so it is very important to keep that in mind, to not give up through other process and to believe that you will get there. You will get to what you want, inshallah. You've got to be ready to do the work. It is work. you yeah. got to be ready to roll your sleeves up and get in the trenches and, and start digging. And there's something just so rewarding, I think, about that, you know. Yes, a good, a good hard day's work mm. brings, you know, many, many rewards at many levels. And one of them will hopefully be the monetary success, inshallah, for all of you. Yeah, inshallah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Estella. We have a few questions from the audience that I'd love to uh, explore with you um, if you have uh, the uh, time. So is that okay with you? Can we? Yes. Dive into all right, awesome. Um, so we have one here from one of our uh, awesome guests. So this one here, so Bismillah. So one of our Facebook Live viewers is asking, I wanted to ask Sister Estella, what made her decide to become a sex coach knowing how the word is considered to be a taboo uh, in our culture? So I love that question. Um, yeah, let's hear it. Well, at my ripe age of 59 years old, I was ready for it. I was ready for it, you know, alhamdulillah. The judgment, the criticism was out there because I'm actually also the host of Let's Talk About Sex on British Muslim TV. We've just done, we've done two seasons. We're going to be going into season three. But what really made me decide is like, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. I know that I myself had many struggles and many issues because it was such a taboo subject in my own home. And um, to be a little bit transparent uh, for myself, you know, I grew up in a conservative Catholic home, which it was very much and aligned with, you know, the conservatism of our faith as Muslims. So having nobody to talk to me about what sex and sexuality was at home, I was very much influenced by my peers outside of my home. Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected me at every step. But I can tell you that I took a lot of chances and I took a lot of risks. And had I been 
educated, had my family felt comfortable talking about this? Could I trust my, you know, my mom and my dad? Could I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, hardship, hardship that would have been avoided. So it is so important to talk about sex and sexuality. In my own marriage, there were issues that had I not felt comfortable to reach out for help, you know, we would have been stuck in this, you know, in this toxicity that didn't need to exist. So it's for, you know, evolving as a human being. We are sexual beings. As soon as, you know, we go into puberty, what is the biggest fear for our parent? Hmm. I'm a parent. We don't want our kids to go have sex outside of marriage. But how are we going to prevent things if we don't talk about it? If you talk about drugs, it doesn't mean that your kids are going to do drugs or that people are going to do drugs. If you talk about alcohol, if you talk about sex, you have to talk. And those are the top three fears that every parent has. That's very correct. Yeah. So I want to ask you, and this is a question for me personally. I don't have kids yet. Okay. I don't have children yet. Um, maybe a child in the future. Um, but um, I feel like if I do have children, that's going to be a very difficult conversation to bring up. I want to know if you could just share with us a little bit more about what you think that would look like if someone were to um, were to actually initiate those talks with their children, right? And child, to have them influenced in the right way and, and be good models for them. If you can share with us some advice. First of all, you have to start feeling comfortable comfortable talking about the body parts. Penis is not a bad word. Vagina is not a bad word. So when you have children, you want to protect your children by allowing them to know that this is their body part and they can talk to you about it. Because if you don't, there's a high likelihood that somebody else will. And it might be a perpetrator. So just starting to feel comfortable. We make all these little words up for our genital body parts from a young age, right? And so it's just distancing ourselves and making things more uncomfortable. So just being able to talk about our body parts, you know, in, in, in a biological way, you know, and making it comfortable so that then as our, as your children start, growing and and showing that they are becoming aware of sex and sexuality mm -hmm. they can come and talk to you and you can you know as parents we notice everything but so many times we just think that it's not appropriate it's not appropriate how can it be not appropriate when it's a way to prevent and a way to safeguard and what is that what is it that we want to safeguard more than anything is our sexuality and our sensuality so that we can please Allah and reach that second half of our faith, right? Correct, definitely. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that. And it's final, it's, uh, we got one more question as well from the audience and all the questions are revolved around uh, intimacy because uh, I think you know that is something that people don't really get to talk about very often. And it's cool that we get to do it on this podcast because you know, you're here, mashallah, and we're able to open up this conversation. I think a lot of people sometimes don't get to ask these questions. So it's a great opportunity for them to, to actually get some more information. So we got one more from our audience. This one is, how can one know uh, if sex therapy is for them? Since it's such a taboo even talking about it, how can one educate themselves 
over it to to better understand you know when they need help that's a good question that's a really good question and it's different for everyone it's different mm -hmm. for everyone um what you want to look at and pay attention to is you know your own thoughts your own thoughts that are coming up for you um how are you how are you being um how are you being activated in certain ways when you know when we we sometimes suppress our feelings and what you want to be if you are in a space if you're a sister and you're in a space and you feel this attraction towards a brother you know does that scare you and does that make you feel like there's something wrong with you if and the, and the same goes for our brothers if you're in a space and you are with sisters and you feel that attraction and that stimulation does it bring you to a place of thinking that you're bad that there's something wrong with you this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. And what you want to be able to do is have just a clear understanding of your own energy. And the thing about sensual energy, sexual energy, is that it is creative energy. And when it's suppressed, we actually suppress our own creativity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted us with. And without clear understanding, then we fall into shaming ourselves. And that can be just a really dark place to live from. And you, and, and simply reaching out and having conversations about this will allow you to be preventive, be preventive and proactive for yourself. And it's interesting that you say that because I think you can only change what you acknowledge, right? You can only change what you acknowledge. You can only have control over what you actually acknowledge. If you, if you pretend that something is not there, then you have no control over it because you're just pretending that it's not there, right? It's like the elephant in the room. Uh, but if you know the elephant is in the room, you can take a look at it. You can put on a leash if you need to. You can do what you need to do, right? Um, so you can understand I'm, I might be feeling this way. Obviously, uh, I acknowledge that. And for that reason, if I'm in a situation where I need to distance myself, um, then I, then I should do that, right? Because I'm feeling this way right now. And, you know, I, that's maybe not something that's going to be conducive to, um, you know, me being the best person that I can be in this situation, uh, and, and avoiding saying haram if I need to. Right. And so when you acknowledge these things and you acknowledge these feelings then you have better control over them to understand it's normal, I feel this way, what am I going to do about it? Right. Um, and I think that's really important than just to say, oh no, I don't and kind of suppressing it. And then, you know, going to that cycle of shame that you mentioned too. Uh, it's really interesting. So, so I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you, Stella. <laughs> yeah. and, and that is the most important question to ask yourself. What am mm. I going to do about it? Mm. What can I do about it? What do I have available? What are, what are the resources out there? Yeah. And there are definitely resources to educate ourselves and to um, just get clear understanding of, you know, what that means for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. Definitely. Sister, thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. And honestly, I learned so much. We talked about topics um, that I don't think have ever been brought up on this podcast, which is really amazing, mashallah, because this was a conversation that there was a lot to learn from. Um, and you shared your time, your knowledge with us so generously today. 
if someone wanted to continue learning from you, they wanted to maybe even reach out and work with you, um, do you have anything that you could share with us today? Any programs that you run, uh, maybe even a certain course or training or a way to get mentorship with you, anything at all, we'll share with the audience. What I would love to do is specifically invite my sisters that you know have been thinking about investing in themselves, have been thinking about like, yeah, maybe I wanna give this coaching you know, a shot. Um, Maybe I do need some, you know, understanding about my past and, and really understanding my triggers and, and really getting more clear about like, how do I really use, you know, my emotional intelligence and create my emotional bandwidth? I want to invite my sisters into my passionate Muslim Academy. Right now, I'm in a place of transition. I'm going to be transitioning into really expanding the the Academy and and um, and, and really bringing different components into it. So next year, it's going to be at a completely different price point. So right now, it's at the most affordable price point. I don't think there are any groups out there with this value at $57 a month or no. $627 for the full year if paid in full. So right now, what I want to do before I make this change is just invite as many sisters as possible that are, you know, have been maybe already struggling, you know, you know, trusting themselves and stepping into, you know, stepping fully into what they want to do in their business because of fears, because of blocks, because of, you know, um, that those limiting beliefs. This is that that opportunity for you and for you to invest in yourself and join my Passion Muslim Academy. You're not, you're, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to regret it. I can, I can guarantee that you will not be the same person after you go through this program. So many sisters, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, with the will of Allah, uh, who has allowed me to put this together. It's just really well crafted to take you on a journey that will give you that emotional bandwidth, give you that confidence muscle that you can clearly see you'll you'll continue building for yourself. So. The link is right here for you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. If you want to connect with me uh, privately and ask me any questions, you can connect with me in Facebook. If you want to ask me you know, any questions, but I, I hope to see many of my sisters, inshallah, joining the Academy because it, it's one of those opportunities that are that's landing for you um, and, and don't let it go by. I love that, mashallah. Well, guys, uh, for all the listeners out there who aren't watching uh, live or you know listening to the episode, we're gonna drop the link in the episode notes. Okay, if you want to go and type it into your navigator right now, it's bit.ly. So bit.ly/pma for Passionate Muslima Academy dash eg. So eg for enroll. So uh, bit.ly/pma dash eg. Oh, you know what? Okay, I confused that. Sorry. So it's bit.ly is that a slash? Is that a dash? What do we call this, Estelle? Backslash. That's a backslash. All right, PMA dash EG, guys. All right, we got it. So we're going to drop the link in the comments uh, for our viewers. The link is right here. We also dropped it in the comments right now. So if you go in the comments, scroll through, you'll find the link there. Um, share with us who is the ideal uh, client or person to join this program for you? What are they looking to do? What are they looking to achieve? They're looking to achieve just um, a higher level of confidence a higher mm-hmm. level of belief in themselves. They recognize that they have, you know, this 
this, these triggers that keep coming back, you know, and, and they want to gain just more clarity about them so that they're no longer, you know, triggering them in a way that throws them off, but become mm -hmm. cues and, and they're really ready to up level themselves. All right. Amazing. Mashallah. So you heard that right there. If that sounds like you go ahead and make sure to go and click that link in the episode description, or uh, it could be in the comments as well. If you're watching live right now, um, sister Estella, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. So generously your time with us today. We know that time is the most valuable asset of any entrepreneur. So you decided to share an hour of your time with us today. So for that. And guys, go and find uh, Sister Estella on Instagram and Facebook as well. Look up her name, Estella Rodriguez Jabril, and go and follow her. She shares lots of amazing content for you to keep up to date with her and what she's up to. Sister, thank you so much for joining us. It was an honor. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. The honor is mine. And guys, you know the drill for the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast to show your support. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, give us a little bit of a rating or review. Share with us what you like about the podcast. And of course... Always follow us on our your favorite social platform. Search for Armorpreneur. And if you'd like help starting your own business, if you're in a journey where you want to become an entrepreneur, you want to grow your business, you need some mentorship, you need some support, you can book a call with us for free at Armorpreneur.com slash call. We'll speak to you to understand what your goals are and how we can help you, inshallah. So that's Armorpreneur.com slash call. The call is completely free. Me or my team will speak to you to understand how we can help you through your journey. Thank you so much for watching, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillahi wa barakatuh.